people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. <laughs> I'm Zach McCoy. I almost said my name was Wyoming. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, okay, that's how we're starting this. We're your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscars podcast show. Where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong. And what are we watching this week, Wyoming? We're watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. We've got a couple of handsome, naughty boys doing crime in the West. Did I mention that they're handsome? I I believe you may have. They're naughty. And did anybody mention if this was the first time they've seen this movie? I don't think anybody mentioned it. Well, is this first? Is this anybody's first time watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Yes. No. No, for me, Zach, do you remember the first time you did watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? October 10th, 2006. <laughs> that critic is real specifically. <laughs> it is. Yes. You know, watch it at home on DVD. No, oddly, that's probably right around the same time that I watched it, because that's around the same time we were doing the, uh, the AFI watch. Aha. It was... 50. Number 50. Number 50. All right. Okay. Shall we do an Oscar breakdown? Please. Break it down. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, winner of Best Story and Screenplay, based on material not previously published or produced because the name of the category wasn't short enough. <laughs> oh, good Lord. It's the gift that keeps on taking away. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and, it, and winning that category gives William Goldman. An Academy Award. Yes. And he beats out Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, written by Paul Mazursky and Larry Tucker. Beats out The Damned, story by Nicola Badalucco, and screenplay by Nicola Badalucco, Enrico Mid- Medioli, and Lucino Visconti. Oh. Beats out Easy Rider. Written by Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Terry Southern. And The Wild Bunch. Story by Waylon Green and Roy N. Sickner. Screenplay by Waylon Green and Sam Peckinpah. 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 Ah, but then we're not done. It's picked up a few more nominations. Including Best Picture. Giving John Foreman an Academy Award nomination. Uh-huh. Beaten, of course, by Midnight Cowboy. The only X-rated film to win Best Picture, giving Jerome Hellman an Academy Award. It is nominated for Best Director for George George Roy Hill, beaten by John Schlesinger for Midnight Cowboy. Somehow does not pick up any acting awards. Absurd. It wins Best Original Score for a Motion Picture, parentheses, not a musical, in parentheses, uh, giving Burt Bacharach. His first Academy Award. It also wins Best Song Original for the Picture. For Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Written by. Uh, music by Burt Bacharach. Picking up his second Academy Award on the night. And lyrics by Hal David. It is nominated for Best Sound. Giving William Edmondson and David Dockendorf. Nominations. It loses to Hello Dolly. Giving Jack Solomon and Murray Spivak Academy Awards. Excellent. It is also, it also wins Best Cinematography, giving Conrad L. Hall an Academy Award. Uh, 
And I believe that's it. Yes, no editing nomination. Here we go. Four Academy Awards, seven nominations. That Damn. is our Oscar breakdown. Conrad Hall. Damn. Oh, Conrad Hall. Come back He's, to him in a minute. Yeah, we'll get right back around at him. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about this movie. Mm. <clears throat> I uh, I don't like westerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't mind this movie. It was pretty good. Um, I think I figured out why I don't like westerns, which okay. is, but I want to. Well, I want to dive deeper into that a little later. But okay, <laughs> um, I, I will say, I I, I enjoyed this film. Um, it, it definitely feels like a. You really can't say this scene. It's like a precursor to it, but a uh, almost like a dude, Thelma and Louise. Yeah. If you if you're catching what I'm throwing. Yeah, I can see Thelma and Louise picking up a lot of this and yeah. being like, "Hey, you know, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. What what if that was made with women more in mind?" Yeah, I was gonna say uh, made for women, but that's dumb. Yeah, I need to stop using that term. It's not a chick flick. It's made. It's made with women, the forefront. Yes. Um, Zach, what did you think? So my first time watching this, when I was twenty years old, I liked it, but at the time I found it a little dull in parts. Like the there's a lot of the movie that I like, but parts of it, it's like I, I remembered thinking it was boring, and I was excited to watch it again to kind of reevaluate my thoughts. And um, I will say that there are still a couple of spots um, that feel a little long or slow. And I'm not totally crazy about the montages. I think they're interesting, but I don't know if I feel like they're too long. But this is a movie that it's got really good writing. And it and Paul Newman and Robert Redford take these characters and elevate them so much with their chemistry and it's just it's a blast to watch them just like it was you know when we covered the sting you know even though that comes after this movie but yeah their chemistry elevates it for me and makes it such a realistic feeling kind of film almost like you're watching a a documentary i mean not in the way that's filmed but just like that that these are real people so that's where I'll I'll pause, and uh, wondering what Mister Workman feels. What do I? I feel like this was a really good movie. I love this movie a lot, so much. And I'll get more into that as we talk. But this movie is great, and I was very excited to come into this week to watch it because mm-hmm. you know, I re- rewatched it last year for, or last year when we were covering Midnight Cowboy. Oh yeah. I uh, I think there's it's really well made. I uh, even though um, I feel like there are segments that are maybe too long. The the editing is beautiful and the, the cinematography is uh, definitely earned its reward. Um, mm-hmm. Award, did I say reward? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a lovely film to look at. It's gorgeous and. I think the story is good. Um, it 
it's not super deep, but it doesn't have to be because it's the story of these guys and and they're can't get out of their own way because they're so either addicted to the rush or, you know, trying to get the piece of their pie that they want and make the life that they think. So, so apparently Goldman was real, had been obsessed with this story for like almost two decades at this point. Okay. And really wanted to write the script. And the thing that drove him to drove the machine of the story is the idea that uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald once said there are no second acts in life. And once he learned that these two uh, were bank, bank and train robbers in the U.S. and then went to down to Bolivia and then became bank robbers down there, he was mm-hmm. like, they got a second act. <laughs> they got a second act as Bolivian bank robbers. So, yeah. I, just, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Mm. So I want to touch upon why I don't like Westerns, I think. Ooh, please okay. do. So the first half of this film is, I think, the reason why. A lot of, especially I've noticed like spaghetti Westerns, generally don't have a score or really anything. It's a lot of silence in the background outside of like natural sounds and it just feels just dull to me and it, and it yeah i don't know why I'm, I'm not enjoying it um but yeah i think that's just why it just just it's too See. quiet for the amount of action that goes on i feel like i need something like a jaunty little number while they're traveling and you really don't get that what you get in this one though is some really fucking weird Burt Baccarat, which you know, here we got a film about a couple of train robbers and bank robbers, and then all of a sudden we're singing do 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 hey na na nas, and I fucking loved it because this movie had some. I would call this movie a subtle comedy at points. Oh, absolutely. Gold Goldman's real good at that. And and I and I enjoyed that. It it the first half of this film just did not do it for me because it really like it really felt like every other western. And then it just kind of took a turn without changing the story at all. It was just the feel of the film where they're like, Oh the old western ways. It's like you said, they, that second act. It's the first act is every other western film. And they, the second act is the exact same thing with a Burt Baccarat soundtrack that changed the tone of the film. Like, they dropped mm-hmm. the sepia filter at some point. I didn't even notice when that went away. It, like, they do, they do the two character introductions, and when they're, when they're riding horses away from the town, it yeah. Hands over to like the landscape as they're riding away from the camera and it goes from the sepia tone to the color. It mm. kind of beautiful. Fair. Yeah. Fair. I it didn't do it for me, but I, I could see why some people would like that. So it's, I just, oh, I, I love the use of the sepia filter, especially because this takes place in 1899. So, yes, this is a so they open up with that, that whole silent film segment over next to the uh, 
next to the opening credits. And so it's like, oh, you know, film is practically brand new when this story is taking place. Yeah. So they do a, well, you know, movies, moving pictures. Um, so, so they do a nice little intro to be like, this, this is the time that you're living in. And once they go into the open, the open wilderness, it's now come into color. Everything's in focus. And it's like, now this yeah. is going to be a little more modern now. Yeah. We're, we're not living in, this is a film about the past, but it's not a film living in the past. Yes. I think, um, Jonathan, you make some good points about the, uh, the quietness, uh, in a lot of Westerns and, and, um, you know, you talked about enjoying how the West was one. I think that had, you know, the bombastic kind of score. It didn't have so much silence. It, it had the, the music going on. It did. And, um, here, I, I think some of these points are, are where I, I thought it was dull or boring the first time I was watching because there's quiet without tension necessarily. I mean, there were tense moments like when they're trying to get away before they jump into the, the river. They're, it, yeah, it, it's not a lot of swim. <laughs> like the lead up to that, um, you know, I was watching this at night and I was kind of getting sleepy because it's kind of a quiet scene. Um, like if there were a little underscore of a tension music, but you don't always have to have music to inform how you're supposed to be feeling. And, um, mm-hmm. but there is a, an obvious shift where I think this film, like you said, goes from the old Western and purposeful. I think it is to kind of leave that behind and be like, Hey, here comes new Hollywood and some, some new ideas. And, uh, I don't know exactly how I feel about the raindrops keep falling on my head scene. I, I, I like it. <laughs> I feel like maybe it's a little long, but it, it's interesting and it, 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 it tries something. So I think that's. It, it introduces a tonal shift with, like I said, without changing anything in the story at all. And it, it's, it's like I said, it's, and there are times where I feel like silence is necessary or can be done really well. You're like no country for old men or something. Yeah, exactly. But I I feel like a a lot of, yes, yes, absolutely. But I feel like what a lot of Westerns do is they're trying to, uh, the silence is, is purposeful. It's like part of the character. Exactly. Like, cause that's the whole Uh, point is they're all these strong silent types that you get is, you're, you're given that cowboy who just doesn't need to do anything other than just sit there and look like a man. And then the environment's very quiet itself, usually. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's not that I think it's a bad decision or a bad thing to do. It is just something that pulls me away. Like it, it could just be ADD brain. <laughs> I think Sergio Leone is one of the best directors to use science as a way to mount tension and mm. a way to build character. Like no one does it quite like him, but I, I think sure. George Roy Hill deploys it very well in this film mm. because he does it a lot during the the chase sequences where where the sound design really takes over who who did 
this loss to Hello Dolly. Honestly, I I really think this should have won. Like there were there were moments where I was like, wow, this sound design's doing so much work right now. Like mm. Yeah, with was, the yeah. horses and tree branches and things and And the, and, yeah, and I enjoy like, that. And, and like I said, it's not that it's a bad decision, it's just because I do enjoy like hearing stirrups is yeah. a lot is a lot better sometimes than hearing like especially during a chasing, you don't need a backtrack kind of telling you, "Hey, he, yeah, like we, he, this is a lot faster." Like, no, it's there. Those sounds, hearing the falling rocks, things like that, like yeah, that builds they're, that tension. But they're being they're being chased by these what six guys and being hunted down, and every time that they every time they cut through the silence, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And he shoots that snake. You're like, God damn it! They're gonna find him right now. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you just let him right to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jonathan, you make a good point about you know there being a lot of subtle comedy. There, I think you know a lot of people call this a a, a buddy comedy in ways. Uh, <laughs> uh, at least part of it. The, I mean, the dialogue yeah, it, is funny. There's a lot of it, quips and yeah, it's kind of happened. like one of the original buddy comedy comedies. And I mean, the like the first lines of the film are essentially a joke where he's casing the bank and he walks up to the bank teller and he's like, what happened to the old bank? Right. He's like, well, it kept getting robbed. Seems like a small price to pay for such beauty of a bank. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then the whole everything that happens with uh, with Robert Redford and. And his introduction is I, I thought was fucking hilarious. Mm, and yep. it's all done in that one or two. It just it just holds on his face. You don't even see the other guys he's playing poker with until he stands up. Yeah. Paul Newman just keeps popping into frame like, you know, you're you're getting older. It's 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 part of life. You're going it could happen to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I think uh the the ending of the film is, you know, iconic and it's influenced so many things, you know, whether it's reservoir dogs or other, uh, other Westerns, other, um, I don't know what you, independent films that have that kind of, um, mm-hmm. two, two fellas or two gals with nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's really like this, this in the wild bunch, coming out the same year as what it's it's nuts because wild bunch has an ending that's a lot like this and i saw wild bunch first so that was that's 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 the one a little bit higher on the list for me just because it was mm. it was the one i saw first and that's the same thing where a bunch of bank robbers get holed up in this mexican this latin town and just get m- murdered by the 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 people who live there mm-hmm. and yeah. So those, those films really shifted what Westerns were. Right. Cause I mean, true grit, true grit comes out this year. John Wayne wins in a, his Academy award. Mm-hmm. And while true grit still, still a little bit of a, a dissection of the, uh, the genre. I don't think it goes near as deep as the, this or the wild bunch do. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about it on the best picture episode where, you know, we're moving away from the, the Hayes code and, um, 
you know, Midnight Cowboy was such a uh, culture shock. And, and these, this and the Wild Bunch, you know, with their, the level of violence, um, it's hard to look at from a modern perspective and understand just how different these movies were. And right. What, what boundaries they were really pushing. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's one of these things where you're so used to everything that's come after and everything that these films changed. It's hard to keep the perspective that these are the films that set all that up. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's another one. that's kind of hard to talk about because there there's, the dialogue and the chemistry and the charisma of the leads and um, Catherine Ross is really good. And she's, you know, her line about, you know, I'll come to Bolivia and I'll do everything except watch you die. It's like, it, it's so good. And, and she, yeah, and she's true to her word. She just fucks off. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you can tell, you know, something's coming and she knows it. And, and it's still, it, it, the tension is there at the end. And, you know, the way they're yeah. talking to each other there at the, at the end, it's just, they probably don't know exactly what's outside waiting for them. Maybe they have some optimism. Um, yeah. And this is the one thing that this film does that wild bunch doesn't is you, you end on that freeze frame and you don't see them. die. Yeah. Well, they almost got smiles on their faces. Yeah. But yeah, you know, wild bunch. They just you just watch all of get mowed down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so violent. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's incredible ending. Uh, I think they keep such a good tension through most of this movie. Like waiting for them to get caught as soon as that second bank robbery goes or train robbery goes wrong, mm-hmm. and that that little locomotive shows up with the one car and the guy started jumping out of it on horses. Like <laughs> everything is. Oh, so good. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. I, Great songs. I liked it. It's, 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 it's a good, good, good movie and iconic. So, I mean, and, and like Zach had mentioned, it's just two fucking gorgeous men. Oh, they're so beautiful. Just Robert Redford, his hair the entire time kind of threw me off, but he just kind of Robert Redford's got a problem of being looks like a lot of people now. Like, do you know that like that lumberjack everyone thought was Zach Galifianakis, but it's actually Robert Redford for the uh, gift. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. From a uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. Like there's that. And then I think he looks like Brad Pitt this entire fucking movie. Yeah. You know, and sure. then him and Brad, him and Brad Pitt did that movie to spy game or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was like, this real supposed to be passing of the torch kind of film where it's like, I'm Robert Redford. I'm, I'm really hot. So Brad Pitt, you get to be the hot guy now. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the problem is Robert Redford's still hot in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I keep uh, every now and again feeding Jaylee little bits and pieces of Meet Joe Black just to get her to watch that. (laughs) She never seen the whole She still hasn't seen it. Because all I've shown her so far are the beginning, <laughs> which is the greatest film beginning of all time. Mm. Yeah. Did you, did the, you at least show her? Hit. Yeah. Did you at least show her uh, Brad Pitt tongue, tongue fucking the spoonful of peanut butter? <laughs> Sometimes. So far, it's been whatever TikTok shows me. And TikTok has been, for some strange reason, showing me the same scene the, uh, the Jamaican lady scene at the <laughs> <Okay>. hospital. <laughs> 
Oh, like, God, life is just like, so what the fuck? It's so so bad. I love it. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's incredible. Oh. I I'll, I'll come out to the kitchen and um, be like, okay, I need a little midnight snack, and I'll grab a spoonful of peanut butter and just stare out the wiener. Stare out the window. <laughs> and, Ooh, and Freudian just, slip much. <laughs> stare out the window, the peanut, and just be like peanut butter. Just to myself, nobody around. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> that and Wiener, apparently. That, apparently, <laughs> that movie. That movie is one of my favorite miscalculations of film. Yeah. <laughs> it is so <laughs> melodramatic in all the best ways. All right, gents. Well, does anybody got any additional notes on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Um, you know, I William Goldman has a really interesting career, and I don't know if we'll talk about him in the future if we cover other categories, but. I I think he's a great writer and he's got a really good uh, grasp on characters. Uh, I believe we'll be talking about another one of his films in this category. Oh, okay. Please be an 87. Please be an 87. Please be an 87. Unfortunately not. God damn it. (laughs) Unfortunately not. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) If it's not 87, I'm glad it's this one. Anyway. All right. Well, I guess, uh, Paul. Yeah. Should we talk about the archive? Film registry time? Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. It did that thing where it undid it by year, the way that I like reading these things off. So now I got to <laughs> go fix that. Huzzah! Had it all set up. Thanks, my computer. If it's not 87, here. is it 1990? Uh, I was looking no. here. It says he yeah. won one for this and one for adapted so i don't know hmm. oh was it adapted yeah for all the presidents uh, you're, yeah I, uh, well, that okay never mind we won't be talking about him in this category but if we ever do adapted we'll do all the presidents hell yeah which is phenomenal okay did Cassidy and the sundance kid get into street and what year or two think it got if you think it got in i mean it kind of has to I feel like it's a yes. I feel like it's a late one, though. Like 2003 or something like that. I was going to say 99 at like its 30th anniversary. All right. So, you, Zach, you're going 99. Jonathan, you're going 2003. Sure. Well, you'll both be sad to know that Jonathan hit it right on the What Whoa! the fuck? Finally! Finally! Yes! You've done Zach, it. You wanna Congratulations. Know, you want to. You want to know the wildest part about all this? What? You hit the wild bunch on the money. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Well, nice. As much as we talked about that just now, like you got that one. If, <laughs> if it was wild bunch, 30th mm. anniversary for that. Um, let's see. Other films from 1969 that got in. Nice. Uh, Easy Rider. Also in the category, goes in in 98. Mm. Midnight Cowboy, of course, went in in 94. Uh, and honestly, there's there's a lot of stuff here that's not not very, very popular. So uh, cool. say Salesman, the documentary, went in in 92. I want to see that. Missy Salesman. Why does that sound like the most boring title somebody could ever come up with something? And then, it's about and then, a door-to-door Bible salesman. <laughs> Just even better. <laughs> uh, 
So that's that. Now we'll do the uh, the thing that Jonathan usually sets up. Yeah, let's do the worsty judgments. Hey, got it right. <laughs> yeah. And Zach. Hello. Does this film deserve best original screenplay? <clears throat> Mm, it's a very good screenplay. Very good screenplay. I've uh, I've seen The Wild Bunch, and I think that's an excellent screenplay. I really wanted to rewatch Easy Rider because um, I I think I saw that like part of it on TV when I was in high school, and I've never given it a proper watch. So I, mm. I will soon, but I didn't have time this week. Um, and I'm really interested in Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. That looks like something that'd be right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of new Hollywood and stuff. Um, so at this time, I'm going to say, yeah, you know, I think uh, the argument can be made for Wild Bunch, um, but I really like the writing on this. I think it's a a clever, clever buddy story with a, a really strong ending. And, you know, there's some morality lessons and, but also just interesting character study. So I think, yes, it does deserve it. All right. Um, I'm going to agree. Although I have seen another one in this. I have seen Easy Rider. Um, Easy Rider, though, being... I don't think the screenplay is where that film shines. But I'd say it doesn't, because I was going to say, I'm a dialogue guy. This movie's got the dialogue, but Easy Rider also has the dialogue. By quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I still think Butch Cassidy beats it out. Um, yeah. Paul. Yes. Do you think this film deserves best story and screenplay based on material not previously published or produced? <laughs> um, okay. So like, this is, I haven't seen the damned. I kind of want to see this cause, uh, it's subtitles Gotterdammerung. So that's <laughs> uh, Lucino Visconti directed it and co-wrote it. And uh, yeah, I need to, I need to put that on my, on my list. Uh, uh, and I, I haven't seen all of Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, but it, it, it is definitely up, up your alley, Zach. So check that out. I just hate mm. the grammar of the title. It bugs the shit out of me. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> um but I have seen Easy Rider and I have seen The Wild Bunch. I have seen Butch I've seen Sundance Kid. And honestly, like this this category this category could have gone to any of those three and I would have been thrilled. Mm. They're all phenomenal films. Um Easy Rider again is it, these are such a landmark movies because it's a year that ends in nine. Um yep. that happens. And, uh, geez, there's say this is the beginning of new Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, mean, yeah, this is, this is essentially the, the year that capitalizes on the new Hollywood movement. Like hardest. Yeah. Especially in the awards ceremonies and stuff. Yeah. Cause, um, Bonnie and Clyde comes out two years earlier and really, really gets the new Hollywood ball rolling. It is, it is often considered like the film that kickstarts new Hollywood. 
And mm. these three films, Midnight Cowboy, like, you know, there, there's still things hanging around like Hello Dolly and, and, uh, and True Grit that are very old Hollywood feel. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is the year that the shift really starts happening. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I think any of those three films could have won this. So I'm, I'm going to say yes. But also Wild Bunch and Easy Rider could easily have won this. And I'm also saying yes. Probably my, my top three films of this year. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so this might be one of the best of this, the best we have seen in this category so far. Fair enough. Well, I, I guess that kind of answers one of the <clears throat> questions. We might as well still ask, uh, Zach, do you think this is the worst best original screenplay? I do not. I, uh, you know, here I go again, giving it to Zach, the four and a half, um, because I think uh, there's still a couple pacing issues that um, I feel like you could cut 20 minutes and tighten up this movie a little bit. And, um, and it would be a five star film for me. So I've got it. My number 10. I, uh, so generally I will put a, uh, a movie at a place at the beginning of the episode. And it tends to shift as we talk about it. Um, this one, I was just staring at it and staring at it. And then I was like, you know what? Yeah. This is my number eight. Number eight. Put this one above uh, Sunset Boulevard. I, I, the Burt Baccarat shit, man. It's so absurdist to me that it just, it, it, I think it just bumps it up another number easily. So it, it really is the moment where this film just says, this isn't your father's Western. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, this is my number eight. It's definitely not the worst. And it, it has made my top 10. Paul. No, this is not the worst. Uh, it is. I think a real snappy film. I, I don't know where Zach cuts anything because this film is tight and beautiful and damn near perfect. It, it has such great dialogue, like the way these characters interact and talk with each other. They're very full and realized human beings. They all have different needs, different wants, different styles of going about their time and day, the way they're, they're introduced as smart for each of the characters, the way that you learn about them. Like, I can, uh, what showing up to his ranch and then being like, you're out, this guy's in. And he just cleverly dispatches the guy who's challenging him and is like, oh, not only have I dispatched him, but I'm taking his idea. It gives you everything you need to know about that character. Yeah. Like, there, I, I don't think there's any, any fat on this film it is lean and it is fun and it never lets up uh I, I have a great time watching it every time i watch it this is a film that could easily easily go to my number one of any other category but unfortunately we're in a category that has sunset boulevard and citizen kane it's going at my number five just under the apartment and I might have put it under on the waterfront, 
But anytime I think to myself, is this, should this go under on the waterfront? Like, that's kind of a, one of those barriers for me. I always remember Ilya Kazan is a dirty rat. <laughs> so this film goes over it. <laughs> like, you know, maybe if you weren't selling people out for no reason, uh, your movie would be number three or two. Mm-hmm. It's not. So yeah, this goes to number five. I love this film so much. All Give right, five stars and a heart, and a heart, and the heart. All right. Well, uh, as Zach had mentioned, we're in 1969. Sure are. Nice. That's nice. That is the end of a decade, gentlemen. <clears throat> wow. That is. That and I it think is. We are going to remember that for the first time so far in this category. Yes. Before it's... we start signing out. Yeah. I'm proud of us, guys. Thanks. We've done get that. it. So let's get into our decades worth of worsty judgments. That's right. right, Trav. We paused again for you to put that theme back in there. Stick it in there. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach. Hi. Has this been the worst decade for best original screenplay? All right, I'm pulling right, wait, up. Does this decade deserve best original screenplay? Is it? Yeah, well, yeah. Is it the, uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's the best decade. Yeah. Is, is it the, the best? best? Is it the worst? Is it the best? Is it the worst? Well, let's see. Mm. Let's just answer it all in one question. All right. <laughs> so I'll do what Paul normally does. We'll list, uh, list the movies. We got The Apartment. Oh, yep. Yeah. Blender in the Grass, Divorce Italian Style, How the West Was Won, Father Goose, Darling. The, there is one film we were not able to find a copy with subtitles, A Man and a Woman. It's a French film, and, and we just, unfortunately, we don't, we, we're not fluent. We will find a time yes. to revisit that. Hopefully, it'll be streaming on Max or something, because it is a Criterion film. Yeah. So, uh. We'll we'll let you know. If I find a DVD copy under thirty bucks, maybe I'll buy it. Then we can do something. Um, guess who's coming to dinner? The producers and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, hmm, pretty good. It's a pretty good decade. I'm looking at my rankings. Hmm, you know it's uh. Is it one or two? Maybe. I think I currently have to give. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's either the fifties or sixties. One, two. I'm gonna go with the fifties for now. Still as my my top. Uh, this is this is a close second for me. All right. I uh. Five of my top ten are from the sixties, including my number one. I mean, that's five of nine. Mm. That's yeah. a that's a good chunk. Uh, although my absolute worst so far is from the sixties as well, with Splendor in the Grass. Oh, okay. but everything else has been either, like I said, in my top ten. Which I mean starts with divorce Italian style and goes to Sunset Boulevard. So I mean, like, 
I, I think that says a lot. I, I think this might be the best decade so far. Yeah. So far. Paul. I I think I might be agreeing with you. Three of my top five are from the 60s. And then four of my top ten. But four of my top ten are also from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one, two, two more of them are I gave four and a half. A couple more I gave four to. I gave I, I got Darling down at three and a half. So my lowest of the decade so far without having seen Man and a Woman is three and a half. I mean that's that's pretty strong considering yeah, you know, the forties has a three and a half star. Um you still gotta watch Wilson, Jonathan. Wilson I, I do, I do. Um, yeah, so darling is in my, is in my bottom five. I know it's not staying there. I, I, I'm confident in that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with that, I, I feel like I have to say yes. I feel like this has been the strongest decade overall. Even, even the, the weaker films are a lot of fun. Like Father Goose is just a good time. Yeah. I uh, guess who's coming to dinner isn't a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely a film from 1967. <laughs> like it it does the best it can for the time it was made, but you know, it doesn't mean that it was the best representation of that. Divorce Italian Styles hilarious, how the West was won was real good. Uh I know Jonathan doesn't agree, but I gave Splendor in the Grass five stars. It's the bottom of my top 10. Now I got Butch Cassidy, the apartment and my number one film is the producers. Yeah. I, I think this is the best so far. Yeah. And that's really not to take anything away from 1950 because the fifties, because that again, there's plenty of my top 10 from the fifties. <clears throat> yep. All right. Well, that's our decade wrap up and uh, we're looking forward to the seventies. Indeed, I know there's starting to get into the decades where I, I I've seen more movies, so I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, so I think we are going to call that here. Uh, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, Twitch, TikToks, and on Letterbox at Altorn underscore Occam. Uh, last time we talked, Zach had mentioned that he was going through the Marvel movies, and I said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do it too." <laughs> so. I have been watching those for the last three days. I am already on Thor Ragnarok. Dear Lord. I I know how to binge. (laughs) I guess. Have you slept? (laughs) Ragnarok? Yeah. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. We're, uh, (laughs) we're, you know, Okay, so we're we're doing a custom order. No, it's no. mostly going by release because I was arguing in favor of release for the same reason that Paul uh, made the argument. If it's that's what it's I'm doing is release. Yeah, it's the smartest way to watch them. <laughs> the the one the one thing we've done different so far is we uh, 
watched uh, Captain Marvel after Iron Man um, because I, I wanted to introduce Captain Marvel in the first phase. I'm not sure. My, my think it, it feels like a phase one movie, honestly. And I, I mean, I, it, it is a phase one. Well, no, it's not. It's phase three, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's phase three it, because because they they brought it out right before Infinity War because they yeah. were like, oh fuck, Captain Marvel, we gotta we gotta introduce her. But yeah, so I, I thought um, for the boys' sake, I wanted to introduce her earlier than she was in the release of the films. Hmm. So now we're watching I, Iron are Man. You, are you going to do the shows? For, phase, nah. uh, for the next saga. I, they can watch the I, shows when they get older if they want. There really aren't any shows in the Infinity Saga that I can think of outside of Hyde, the S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and technically Agent Carter. You should watch Agent Carter. I should watch Agent Carter. Everybody should watch it. Yeah. it Agent Carter is one of the best things the MCU has ever done. Mm. It's only two seasons, and the seasons were summer seasons, so they're really short. Okay. Yeah. And they're very like if you're watching the Marvel movies, they're they were on ABC. They're they're yeah. as family friendly as probably more family friendly than a lot of the shit you've been watching already. Yeah, like they're definitely more family friendly than the first Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, okay. have you uh, been watching the one shots? Oh yeah, you gotta watch the one shots. Yeah, you gotta watch the one shots. They're they're part. Is, so if you go, if you're watching it on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you click on the Marvel button, they actually have an option for the Infinity Saga, and that actually has the release. Um, it's in there by release, and it includes where the one-shots go for each one. They're, they're just short films that were included on a lot of the Blu-rays, and some of them are a lot more fun than the others. Uh, oh, the, like A funny thing Thor. happened on the way to Thor's hammer is fine. Yep. Uh, Thor and Daryl are like, great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, item 47, the one that was on the um, the Avengers Blu-ray, excellent. And it has Lizzie Kaplan in it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, okay. There, like, there's there's some amazing stuff in there. And, like, oh, God, which one's the Mandarin one? Oh, the uh, Trevor Hail one. of the King? Yes. The Hail of the King? Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah, that one sets up some more stuff for, like, Shang-Chi. Yeah, yeah. So, it's it, it's... I hate where Marvel's at right now. I but at the same time I go back and go, guys, like it was it was great at the time. And I'm still enjoying the shit out of all this. But I just know like I want to I'm doing this mainly because when phase four hits, like I want to start watching the shows because then I, I haven't heard anything about Echo, but I think people are enjoying that one. I, I hear Echo's really good. Yeah, so I, there's like, a lot of stuff I need to catch up on because it's more in line with um, it's more in line with the the Netflix shows than it is anything. Like That's awesome. Uh-huh. MCU. Those technically would be like because <laughs> those are technically Infinity Saga, even though they are so far separated. So, so you know, it's it's a lot like the the old Marvel Knights label. Mm-hmm. Where it was all the street level heroes, and yeah. um, they were more adult, and um, yeah, it, so they're MCU. They were MCU adjacent, but yeah. Don't they, they like always kind of like the Avengers events in the first Avengers film kind of get mentioned. Yeah, they yeah, talk about they them, never, but never, cameos, they never if I remember. 
Yeah, there were no cameos. They, whenever they refer to any of the Avengers, they don't refer to them by name. They refer to them by like the big green guy and um, the 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 paper that Karen ends up working for, where Ben Riley's the editor. There's there's like papers in the background that are like the the big uh, showdown in Harlem or whatever the fuck it was called. That's yeah. uh, Incredible Hulk mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Um, so they're MCU adjacent, but they don't feel like they've been affected by anything that goes on in the MCU. Mm. And I think, I think it was kind of a way to keep it at arm's length so that people didn't accidentally let their children watch it kind of shit. I don't don't know. It's all, I think it was probably more of like licensing is going to get fucky with this later on. Let's yeah. Keep that up. But apparently Echo was a lot. It was so much fun that a lot of people have gone back to watch like the first two seasons of Daredevil and Punisher and uh, something else. Uh, oh, um, Hawkeye. Okay. And that's another yeah, one. She I was, never caught Hawkeye. So. She was introduced in Hawkeye. Watch Hawkeye. It's actually, yeah. it's only six episodes. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I plan on going in and just watching everything. Minus, like I said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix shows. Netflix shows, I feel like I can just go back to those at any point and enjoy the yeah, season yeah, one, like, so yeah. everything pretty much. Well, they don't watch Hawkeye because you're, you're gonna want to watch rewatch the Netflix shows because <laughs> hmm. Hawk, Hawkeye brings um Wilson Fisk back and Vincent D'Onofrio. As oh, Wilson god, Fisk. he's so fucking good! He's oh, so good, god, he's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. But that's me. Hey, Zach, where can we find you? <laughs> Find me on Critiker, Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-E-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterbox by searching my name. Mr. Workman. Oh, you can find me at Father of the Fear on Instagram and Letterbox, where I keep a running tally of all the films that I watch. Uh let me see what I want to cover this week. Uh okay. We're gonna start with Godzilla minus one minus color. <laughs> okay. Somehow, that film's even better in black and white. Holy fuck, that movie's so good. It's so good. My God. It is nuts. This film is nuts. It doesn't, it shouldn't be this good, and it is this good. And um, all that Barbie controversy should be for Godzilla Minus I was gonna, I was just about to ask you, do you think there's some snubs going on here? Because I feel like... it's, all the Asians. It's a stuff. monster movie. It's yeah. Um, it, it's a monster it's movie. Not. It's it's never going to be. I know. It's. I mean, most the best Godzilla movies aren't really about Godzilla. It's just dumb to say. But the the like the fun Godzilla movies are all about Godzilla. The best Godzilla movies are all about the the character interactions, and this yeah. is the best Godzilla movie. So. Um, yeah, Zach's going to watch this movie and give it three stars because we've talked it up way too much. Nah, uh, the uh, right crowd have talked it up. It it, it deserves more, uh, but the really the only people I've seen talk about it are cinephiles and things. So it it's a film like walking into that movie, I was like, Shin Godzilla was incredible, and I can't wait to see what Japan is giving us this time because it's at least going to be fun because Japan makes fun Godzilla movies. 
And by the end of the movie, I was like, how has this movie done this to me? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, has it stabbed me directly in the heart multiple times? Coworker asked me because I finally got her to watch Fried Green Tomatoes a couple weeks ago. Oh, hell yeah. And she's like, and I, she goes like, so what else should I be watching? I was like, well, you need to see God Mozilla minus one because you said you like Godzilla. She's like, yes. I was like, just so you know, you're going to cry more than you did during Fried Green Tomatoes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> she goes, fucking what? Like, yes. <laughs> Some, somehow, somehow that's true. Uh, okay, so I watched the new Amazon Prime film, The Underdogs, with two Gs, because it's the Mighty Ducks, but Snoop Dogg coaching Pee Wee football. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's right. the plot to the Mighty Ducks, but uh-huh. it's rated R, and it's Snoop Dogg coaching Pee Wee football. <laughs> Snoop Dogg oh. playing like a Terrell Owens kind of character. I didn't know uh, it was rated R. Oh yeah, it's rated R. There's a lot of F-bombs in it. And the kids cuss a lot. That shit's hilarious. Mm. Um, yeah, so so there's a scene in there where Mike Epps is talking to Snoop Dogg and he's like, wow, the best player on the team's mom is really hot. And Mike Epps goes, you need a Mighty Duxer, man. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Like, gotta do a Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie knows what it is. Nice. Uh, I watched the new Disney film Wish. Like that a lot more than I thought I would. Nice. I just kept getting those tick dies. How did Disney go from this to this? When it came to like the songs. Stu- it was, like, it, it, stupid it would, discourse. Yeah. Stupid discourse. Yeah. Honestly, I think there's a couple of really good songs, but um, because Chris found out Chris Pine, right? Yeah, Chris, the best Chris. Yeah, Chris Pine, and everybody else is not Chris Pine. Exactly. Uh, And uh, Oscar winner Ariana DeBose, yes, main character. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what what people want from anything, so I don't pretend to care. I mean, was more thought put into it than an elemental? Y- yes. Okay. I I think so. Elemental, like, uh, wish, wish, if wish was in the category instead of elemental, I'd be like, fine, I guess. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. Um, uh, turned out that Joe had never seen Roadhouse. No, so I, so I showed him the trailer for the new Roadhouse movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake, I'm sorry, the what? Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal is in a Roadhouse remake, <clears throat> <laughs> and the trailer is bananas. Mm-hmm. All right, so I showed Joe this trailer, and he's like, "Man, I've never seen Roadhouse." Bitches on Max right now are watching Roadhouse. Roadhouse <laughs> is exactly as stupid as you think it is, and it rules. It's such a yes. good movie. Wasn't that like the most on TV movie of all time for? Oh, a long time? probably. <laughs> if I, I, I mean, that's it. how I saw it. Like, yeah, me too. I probably watched it like twelve times on USA before I ever saw the un- uncut version of it. Yeah, then I watched the uncut version of it like boobies because I was twelve. <laughs> right. Um, So anyway, uh, Roadhouse Rules, it's such a good movie. Yes. Uh, so I don't know if you guys know this, 
But um, I paid ninety five dollars to the uh, <laughs> film independent. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> I tried to do this all deadpan. Thanks for ruining that. Uh, so I've been watching. I, I I've been trying to get to as many of the films as possible. I watched uh, Upon Entry this week. Like that it was a nice, uh, a real tense bottle thriller about uh, two people trying to immigrate to America. Mm. Excellent. Check it out. Uh, and then today I watched Mami Wata, which is a, a West African folk tale uh, oh. about uh, how shitty patriarchy is. Uh, can hate that. Mm. Patriarchy, not the movie. The movie is very good. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, it is up for Best International Feature at the Spirit Awards. Yes. I need to watch more of that category so I know whether or not I'm going to vote for it. I only know one category specifically that I'm voting for a film, and that's only because I've watched everything in screenplay, and I know what I'm voting for. Nice. When when is your voting deadline, or is that a secret? No, no, no. Uh, From February 1st to February 12th, I have a voting window. Okay. So I'm trying to cram movies in right now. Uh, So I got those two in in the last couple of days. Uh, And I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, upon entry, Mami Wata, check those out. Nice. If you get a chance. And then tonight, before we started recording, Joe and I went and saw a screen unseen, the AMC uh, thing where you pay $5 and you get a movie. You just don't know what movie it is yet. <laughs> uh, but this was specifically a scream unseen. They started a horror offshoot of it. Uh, and uh, we ended up getting to see Out of the Darkness. Oh. Out of the, or just out of? Out of. I think it's just out of darkness. Yeah, I I, I said that out loud and suddenly. As like, wait, though you on. have no more darkness. Uh, ran out of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Sans darkness. Uh, went and saw that tonight, and I think that film rules. Oh, oh. I don't based, know where I'm sitting on, book, on. Apparently, oh, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so we 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 were guessing what it was going to be since it was a horror film, and there were a couple of horror films like coming out in the next month. We were like, oh, maybe it's this one, maybe it's this one, because those are the ones we keep, which we thought maybe it was imaginary, a uh, new horror film about a teddy bear, a mm. haunted teddy bear. Um, or whatever it is, demon teddy bear, something. Yeah, uh, named Chauncey. The teddy bear's name is Chauncey. Hmm. So, um, we were like, maybe it's that, or maybe it's Lisa Frankenstein. But I guess Lisa Frankenstein's PG thirteen. This one's like, this is an R rated movie. Gotcha. And it's like, oh, okay. So, so they give you pretty much two things. It's R the rating of the film and the the runtime of the film, so that you know you can. Make sure to plug it into your day how you need to. Yeah. Um, and now that they're doing the scream unseen, you at least know you're going into a horror movie because I couldn't imagine somebody who isn't really into horror movies like getting a free movie and being like, or a five dollar yeah. surprise movie and being surprised by this because <laughs> this is very violent and it's very, and it's unsettling at times. Gotcha. Uh, not not something you just want to randomly walk into. Especially because, like, the first like thirty minutes is a real slow burn, and 
not a lot happens, but once it kicks in, it gets violent and it gets bloody and it's messy. And yeah, I don't, I don't think someone wants to be surprised by that. Like 30 minutes into a movie that they didn't know they were getting. Gotcha. And so well, I think that sets that up nice. So, um, I'll clarify that yeah. the, the book is something different. So I'll re- oh, okay. retract my statement. So I don't know where I'm sitting on a star rating on this at the moment. I'm going to think it over, but it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting film. It takes some interesting For what it's worth. And I know that the worth is basically nothing. It's sitting on a critic tomato meter of 94%. Nice. It has a 3.3 on Letterboxd currently, and someone I follow on Letterboxd gave two stars. Mm. They said it was boring. And I don't agree with that. Mm. But Ah, the arts. The arts. Um, I had a good time watching this, and I'm excited to write my review of it, which is going to be I think uh, WAP uh, Wailing Apex Predator because if you haven't been over my letterbox, everything's WAP this year. Nice. Good. So, so go check that out. A lot of WAP going on. Good. To deter us a little bit more, but I think I'm realizing that Doug Lyman might be the most swinging director of all time. Swinging director, like swinging, like the guy that Good, made Swingers, or oh. made Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Smith, the guy that made Jumper, made Edge of Tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah, he, like, he, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, but he made Go, Go, which is one of my favorite films of the 90s. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, um, and he made The Born Identity. Yeah, you know, he, yeah, he. It's a weird roller coaster career for him. It really is. So, but I'm real excited for this Roadhouse remake because it looks bananas. <laughs> B a n a n a s. Sweet. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the things I got going on. It's yeah. more films that I intended to talk about, but I like I like bringing up lists of films. Dude, I just love. I also like knowing what we're watching next week, Zach. Oh. Well, we're jumping into the 70s with a film that we have talked about, but we're going to take another look at Patton, which you can rent on Amazon, Google, uh, Vudu, YouTube, or stream on Sling TV. Oh, God, I just looked at the Wikipedia and the name of the goddamn award. The what? The award? It got longer. Oh, the, dear the, fuck! Sorry, everybody. Next week's gonna be us bitching a whole lot about this time, this <laughs> category, but we'll reveal it next week. Yes, sir. But until then, we're gonna throw out some thank yous, starting with uh, Trab from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Those guys are back. I'm so happy to Woo-hoo! have them back. Their their first episode back was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, which was like four weeks ago. <laughs> Um, so we like to thank him for producing our show we like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song we like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram Uh, Oscar's pod on Facebook the 
Hustlers Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. Almighty algorithm. I like that. That little Ace Ventura you threw in there. That's what I was going for. I enjoyed it. (laughs) All right, yeah. You jump on over there and give us five stars. Got five bullets in your clip. Five raindrops falling on your head. So, or Jonathan and Zach and Burt Bacharach. We'd like for you all to have a damn podcast.